Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Metabolic Classroom, a nutrition and lifestyle podcast focused on the truth behind why we get sick and fat. What you're about to hear was taken from a live broadcast streamed on InsulinIQ.com. The Metabolic Classroom is brought to you by InsulinIQ and by Health Code Meal Replacement Shakes. Episode 15. Does your thyroid suffer on a low-carb diet? A low-carb diet can do a lot of good things, but does it come at the expense of your thyroid? Dr. Ben Bickman and the Insulin IQ team review the evidence and explore the relationship between thyroid and carbohydrates. Yeah, so this is a topic that we almost couldn't avoid, uh, at least for too long, because it's one that just comes up so often. And I think it's because, uh, in general, we have put thyroid in a very lofty position as a hormone, uh, and, and, I, and because of, I think, some misinterpretation of data. And that has, that has really put the target on thyroid hormone in any conversation of, of body weight, body fat, for sure, but also in, in the context of a low carbohydrate diet. So very briefly, um, thyroid hormone is really two hormones. And I'm just going to say thyroid hormone just for the sake of kind of keeping a common vernacular or, or use the words everyone else does. So there are two hormones that are produced from the thyroid gland and uh, T4 and T3. And T3 is really where the rubber meets the road. That's the hormone that when we classically think of thyroid hormone, that's the one that goes and gets the job done. And T4 really acts more as a reservoir of future T3, where T4 is flowing through the blood. And then when the body needs more T3, the tissues, mostly it's the liver, will take in that T4 
convert it to T3, and then release it as T3, which can then go and do what thyroid hormone does. And what thyroid hormone does is also very misunderstood. It is essentially a hormone that sets the, the throttle of the cellular engine. It kind of sets the idle of the engine or, or, or how busy the cell is. When thyroid hormone is up, cells are simply more active. They will be going through their cell life or the cell cycle just more rapidly than before. And this would include things as well known as say autophagy. Thyroid hormone wants to stimulate that kind of stuff. It just pushes the cells to be a little busier, which is why metabolic rate does go up when thyroid hormone is up. And that's why some, so many people are so fascinated by thyroid hormone because we're so collectively fascinated with metabolic rate. And then in contrast, of course, if thyroid hormone is down, then it's like we're just sort of depressing um, we're pressing the brakes a bit and we're slowing things down a bit. And so the cell slows down its actions. And there, and as you can, as you consider then all the cells of the body, because all of the cells of the body respond to thyroid hormone, then we have that depressant depression in metabolic rate. Now I would refer anyone to a previous discussion that we had a previous metabolic classroom where we spoke about the effects of thyroid hormone on the fat cell specifically. And those are, I believe, very relevant effects insofar as thyroid hormone does influence the level of insulin receptors that you see on, on fat cells. And I think that is very relevant in any discussion of body weight regulation. Now, one other sort of physiological nuance when it comes to thyroid hormone. <clears throat> thyroid hormone is... Um, under the control of another hormone that comes from the anterior pituitary tucked up into the brain. And that hormone is called thyroid stimulating hormone or TSH. So anyone who's gotten a blood test of thyroid hormone, you would have T3, T4, and very, very likely you would have TSH as well. Because TSH gives us an idea of how well the thyroid gland is working. And it does so through a, a process that, uh, that we call negative feedback. Very briefly, uh, if, if thyroid hormone production is low, so if the thyroid gland is producing less thyroid than the body needs, the brain would sense this and it would increase its release of TSH. And TSH's job is to stimulate more thyroid hormone production. And so that would push the thyroid gland to make more TSH and uh, sorry, to make more thyroid hormone, the brain would sense this increase and then it would stop releasing TSH. So you can see that there's this kind of ebb and flow. There's this balance between these two hormones, but all of it is acting as a negative feedback. And again, if thyroid hormone is too low, TSH will go up in order to try to stimulate it. In contrast, if thyroid hormone is too high, like for example, if someone had a thyroid releasing um, tumor of the, of the thyroid gland, then TSH would be really low because the brain is swimming in a sea of thyroid hormone and it would be thinking, I need to turn the thyroid gland off to try to stop making um, thyroid hormone and it would do so by lowering the TSH. So understanding the role of TSH in this process is I believe essential to really get an idea of what a low carbohydrate does with regards to thyroid hormone. Now, the pop culture myth, it seems, is that thyroid is down, that the thyroid gland is somehow damaged in a low carbohydrate um, setting. 
um, that appears to be absolute nonsense, to put it politely. So they're up to this point of the, the sum of all the clinical studies that have looked at low carbohydrate and ketogenic diet diets. Um, we probably have somewhere on the order of, I don't know, a hundred year, a hundred people years or a hundred study years. So when you consider every single subject in every clinical study and how long they've been on that, it's at least decades long now of studies um, or, or worth of data that we have. And there has never been one single um, mention of hypothyroidism in any one of these um, clinical trials that has ever been published. And they do this sort of thing. They report negative outcomes. They will often say things like this study, um, this subject had to be withdrawn from the study for this reason, or we noted this many instances of, of hypotension, you know, their blood, you know, whatever it may be, or hypoglycemia, something. There has literally never been one single mention of hypothyroidism in any of these single studies that, again, to this point, is at least decades worth of, of, of study data when you look at sort of people study years in these studies. Not a single shred of evidence to show, again, that there's a clinically relevant um, reduction in thyroid hormone. However, having said that, and this is where I think some of these characters in the low-carb space are getting their information from, there are a handful of studies, and I have links in the show notes to some of this, that show a reduction in T3. So there are studies to show the thyroid hormone is lower than it was before, but not TSH. And TSH is sort of the brain's way of sampling the body's needs and basically asking, do we have enough thyroid hormone? And if the body were hypothyroid, TSH would be high because the brain would be telling the thyroid gland, hey, we don't have enough thyroid. This lack of carbs is killing us and, and we need more thyroid hormone. So I'm going to push up TSH. That'll push up thyroid hormone. It doesn't happen. TSH stays normal. T3 drops. So this more sort of useful, um, the, the practical side of thyroid hormone goes down. Now, lest someone think that's a problem, let's present an analogy. Let's imagine we had someone who was overweight and unhealthy, and they had high levels of insulin because they were insulin resistant. Would we say that a low-carb diet is damaging the pancreas because their insulin levels drop? Of course we wouldn't. Any rational clinician or any rational person at all, if I may be a little insulting and bold to these people who claim otherwise, I would, I, they would say, no, it's a good thing. That is universally a good thing. You are becoming more insulin sensitive and you have less insulin. You need less insulin as a result. So that's my analogy. And I think it's very apt. There is such thing as instances of thyroid resistance. And it's entirely possible that the reduction in thyroid hormone that we see when someone adopts a low carbohydrate diet is perhaps a result really of the thyroid hormone working better. And now they just simply don't need as much. Now I am speculating here. You know, there's no so solid, hard, fast evidence to confirm my theory, but I think it's accurate. And I think looking at it um, as sort of analogous or a parallel to insulin and how other hormones, not just insulin, there are multiple hormones that will come down um, with adoption of a low carbohydrate diet. Why would we then say that thyroid hormone coming down reflects thyroid damage? There is truly no evidence to support it. 
And again, I believe there's a lot of available evidence we can point to um, that would have by this point um, have, have reflected a thyroid problem if it were real. So that's it. Those are my thoughts. Um, I, it's, I, I admit this is a bit of a departure from typical metabolic classroom because I'm not just relying on showing figures or hard and fast data um, from a study because no single study has really tried to put a finger on this. But again, uh, studies have shown reductions in T3. That I believe is what some have used as evidence to claim that a, a low carbohydrate diet damages the thyroid gland. And um, I think that is poor logic and rather it perhaps just simply reflects uh, an enhanced efficacy or sensitivity of thyroid, just like we see with insulin and just like insulin levels come down and we don't claim that's damage to the pancreas, we claim it's an improvement in insulin's actions. I think we should use the same dialogue and language with regards to thyroid hormone. T3 does appear to come down in many people, um, although it, it, it's, it never goes outside of a, a normal range. It stays in a normal range, but it comes down. I, that's no more evidence of thyroid damage than low insulin is evidence of pancreas damage. Great. Love it. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. And that's that. We get so many questions about, uh, about this, don't we, coaches? Yeah. So I have a question for you. <laughs> when you're thinking of, when you're looking at Hashimoto's, mm -hmm. um, kind of an autoimmune thyroid problem, um, have you ever seen any data to show that you can improve that condition um, by doing low carb, like other autoimmune uh, yeah. issues? Yeah, yeah. I don't know of a study that is in the context of low carb, but there are studies to point out the very strong connection between celiac disease and Hashimoto's. And I'm reluctant to say that only because gluten has become an easy villain in too many ca uh, lazy, casual conversations. And I'm not one of those people. I was very cynical when I first heard uh, a, a neighbor actually tell me how this person's thyroid gland had improved so much um, once they cut out gluten and I just rolled my eyes and thought, oh my goodness gracious, uh, here we go again. Gluten is as Isaiah, when Isaiah talked about the whore of all the earth, he must've been talking about gluten in the <laughs> Old Testament. Um, but but in, in fact, I the results in this individual were so dramatic that I thought I have to take this seriously. And literally within minutes, on PubMed, which is kind of a database of biomedical publications, I found multiple um, uh, resources identifying this this connection. And so there's some, uh, I guess what's relevant there, if I, this may seem like a bit of a tangent, but it is still relevant to Hashimoto's. Um, almost every autoimmunity has an environmental trigger. And so it's someone who has a genetic predisposition to have a heightened immune system or a more an overactive immune system, then there's something they expose themselves to that, that actually pulls the trigger. The genetics loaded the gun and then, and then the lifestyle pulls the trigger. And when it comes to Hashimoto's and low carb, I, although I don't know of a study to support this, but I do know people who, so this is anecdotal, who report a, an improvement in Hashimoto's with a low carb diet. I wouldn't be surprised if in many of these people, it's that they have, by avoiding carbs, they've avoided gluten and that ends up helping them rather mm. than, you know, the carbohydrates per se. Interesting. Uh, typically, I would say we don't see a lot of people who um, have improvement or um, 
you know, see their thyroid condition get worse. But recently I have a client who has Hashimoto's, has been on medication for 20 years. And within the last year and a half, she's changed her dose twice, um, minimizing her dose of medication um, from being on a low carb protocol. And she's still continuing to lose weight and see improvement to her metabolic health. So it's kind of cool. Yes. Well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the absence of, of maybe, maybe of, of gluten or some environmental trigger is helping um, inc uh, improve the production of thyroid. But I also wouldn't be surprised if, um, you know, if, if, if my theory is a little correct, then she, she doesn't need as much. Her body's responding better to thyroid hormone. Yeah. And I think that's what's reflected when someone in these studies that do show a reduction in T3, it's just that T3 isn't as needed um, as it was before. There's a lower level in order to maintain homeostasis. And so the little bit that she's getting is just working better. We have, uh, we have some questions coming in about uh, the topic that, we, that you just finished, um, Dr. Bickman. From Carolyn, what is the ideal TSH level in general? Oh, gee. Um, I'm, I'm afraid I don't know. I don't know normal levels for the thyroid hormones. Uh, I, I can't answer that. I'm okay. not sure. No worries. Uh, from Marcus. Can but, but I would say, sorry, Jack, no, to that question, I would say I don't know of any evidence to suggest that the, the, the typical clinical range is somehow wrong. I would, I would be quick to add that. So anyone who's gotten a blood test um, I, almost every blood test, at least everyone I'm aware of, it'll give you a number and then it gives you a range of what's acceptable. I know of no evidence that, to suggest that that range that you would get on a typical, on any blood test um, is going to be somehow wrong. You know, like I make the case that the range given for insulin is terrible and it is skewed in, in absolutely the wrong, the worst way. I won't make that same statement with regards to T3, T4, or TSH. So I don't know what the levels should be. It's not something I'm, I have my finger on the pulse of well enough, but I would say uh, whatever the, the lab values that you're given on that same blood test, um, those are probably the best ones to go with. Now, Ben, if those are low, what do they do? If TSH is low? Yeah. Yeah. So if TSH is low, um, you have to look at this in context of T3 as well. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's a couple different ways to look at, at this. And I don't want to, I don't want to get off. You guys pull me back if I start going too far. So when someone presents with a, uh, and I'm not a clinician, so I'm saying this as purely an academic, but if someone were to present with a thyroid disorder and I actually had it confirmed and I emphasize the word confirmed because so many people will blame their weight gain on their low thyroid without actually having ev any evidence that their thyroid hormone is actually low. So I do think thyroid is too often thrown under the bus when it's a perfectly innocent pedestrian trying minding, uh, you know, its own business on the sidewalk. But nevertheless, uh, if someone had ha what they will notice, what they'll feel if they have a clinical symptom, then it's a result of, of the thyroid hormone that's out of, out of whack. You know, if they're tired, they're, they're, they, they're very tired, they're always cold and they're gaining weight. Well, those are the classic symptoms of hypothyroidism. If they're losing weight and they're hot and they sweat very readily, sweaty palms, those are, and they're jittery, those are classic symptoms of hyperthyroidism. So what someone will feel is not going to be a difference in TSH. What they feel will be a difference in thyroid levels, hypo, hypothyroid or hyperthyroid. And then at that point, you look at TSH 
in order to try to tell where the problem is. And at the risk of going into too much detail, I'll, I'll try to be brief. If someone presented with hyperthyroidism, but TSH was low, that suggests the problem is at the thyroid gland itself, which we would call a primary problem because the brain with low TSH is trying to tell the thyroid hormone to turn off thyroid production, but it's high anyway. So thyroid gland is not listening to the master, to its master, the pituitary gland. So high thyroid and low TSH would reflect that there's a fundamental problem at the thyroid, perhaps something like a tumor, a thyroid um, producing tumor. Alternatively, if someone has hypothyroidism and they come in, in fact, let's stick with the hyper. If they had hyperthyroidism and TSH is high, well, that's probably not a problem at the thyroid gland. It's a problem of the pituitary gland because TSH is high and the thyroid gland is obeying the high TH, TSH. So the thyroid gland is obeying its, its master in this case, the pituitary. So the problem's at the pituitary, very likely. And that would, that would be called a secondary hyperthyroidism. And then all of this same logic goes if the person were hypothyroid. If hypothyroid, the high thyroid gland is low, thyroid hormone is low, but TSH is high, well, then the thyroid gland isn't listening to the high TSH. And so it's a primary hypothyroidism. And that can be something as innocent or simple as an iodine deficiency. Because if there's not enough iodine for the thyroid gland to pull in and then use that iodine to create the backbone of what will become thyroid hormone, it's, it creates that interesting situation where the person can't make enough thyroid hormone, so they are hypothyroid. But TSH is really, really high, trying to force the thyroid gland into working. But one, not only does TSH tell the thyroid gland to make more thyroid hormone, it also stimulates its size. And so this is where someone can get a goiter, where, but also have so a really, really big thyroid gland, even though the thyroid gland is producing very, very low levels of thyroid hormone itself. Anyway, I'm getting off. It's just too no, deep. No, this is too awesome. much. Well, well, um, but what? anyway, anyway, Rich, so you, the question you'd asked me was, what's the relevance of TSH? TSH just really acts as a good marker to tell us, is the thyroid gland working well? Is it responding well to the signals? And that's more of my defense um, of the, the, the view that a low-carb diet does not hurt th the thyroid gland because TSH levels are always normal. I know of not even a single line of evidence to suggest TSH goes up or down. It just stays normal. And that, to me, suggests the thyroid gland is fine because if the thyroid gland weren't normal, in other words, if it were damaged, as, as the hypothesis goes or the claim goes, then TSH would be high. It's not high. You mentioned uh, iodine. A couple of weeks ago, you talked about the yeah. importance of, of mixing in some iodized salt to make sure you're getting enough iodine, right? Yeah, and that's why, that's why thyroid hormone is so essential to overall human health, but it is, it is absolutely it is catastrophic in a fetus or a newborn where in an adult who's fully formed and our neurological system is fully formed, the reduction, uh, a deficiency in thyroid hormone is going to be very bad, and, um, but, but it's not catastrophic and it is reversible. The weight gain, the lethargy, um, all those things are reversible. Um, but if it's a newborn or a fetus, if a baby, if a fetus, tip, uh, first of all, if a woman doesn't have enough thyroid hormone, she very likely won't even be able to get pregnant. Thyroid is so essential to fertility that it's part of the cocktail in the woman's body that must be in place 
that must be properly mixed in order to even ha uh, be fertile in the first place. But if she has enough to get pregnant and then let's say something happens to her thyroid gland during the course of the pregnancy, first of all, the body, it may be a miscarriage, but if she is able to carry that baby full term, the baby, uh, it is catastrophic. The baby will have severe neurological and physical um, delays. Uh, and, and so it is catastrophic. Even in the newborn, if the baby develops in a, a normal thyroid mom or a euthyroid mom, but the baby's thyroid gland isn't working well, you, you, if you catch it early enough, then it's fine. You just start supplementing with thyroid hormone. But if you don't, then there will be irreversible consequences. Mm. So I'm getting off on a tangent, which I do so often, and I'm glad that the audience allows me, they can, <laughs> they can um, tolerate these little um, tangents. But, uh, but thyroid, Jack, to your question and point, um, iodine, I am very, very, um, I'm a big advocate of iodine, especially in kids. And, uh, and that can come from seafood, um, very readily, but in the absence of seafood, then I do think you need to make sure you are getting some iodine from some source. And, uh, and especially if this is a very clean home, and, and by that I mean uh, the food is very clean. There's not a lot of packaged food that would have iodinated salt, iodinized or iodinated salt in it already, which it very often would. I'm not encouraging you to let your kids eat crackers just to get the iodine. No. Um, but you may do what I've done, which is have a little iodine, little dropper for the kids, or just make sure whatever you're getting um, has iodine in it. Um, uh, because, uh, or even something as benign or as obvious as the salt that's coming. Right. But iodine is essential to thyroid production and thyroid production is essential to everything, but especially brain health. Yeah. Uh, from Instagram, my thyroid function dropped around the same time I was doing ketogenic eating for two years, and now I have multinodular goiter. Hmm. Yeah, um, I don't think that would have anything to do with the carbs. Uh, and again, I only ever make that kind of statement because one, there's no paper to suggest it, and two, I can't think of the cell biological mechanism that would connect those two. So the first part of that statement, I can only assume that, that this individual really did have confirmed thyroid problems, and it wasn't a matter of, of speculating that there were thyroid problems. I mean, that's a delicate thing to say, and I don't mean for it to be indelicate, um, but assuming that there was, in fact, confirmed thyroid problems, um, how that then would lead into a multinodular goiter, I, I don't know. That would, to, my, to my knowledge, that would have nothing to do with carbohydrate consumption in any way. Okay. Uh, from so multinodular goiters, guys, that's like a person has little, it's not one whole goiter. It's like there's one little section here that's growing. There's one little section here that's growing. And that's just typically cancer. Hmm. Uh, from Jerry, is a carnivore diet too low carb for people with Hashimoto's? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, that's definitely as low carb as you can get. And I don't know of any evidence to suggest it'd be a problem, okay. but there's just no evidence on that. It's such a specific question. So there's no evidence I can cite um, as a scientist. And I can't think of any biological mechanism that would suggest it would be an issue. Okay. And, In fact, and, I'd just be curious to see what he's experiencing, uh, to be honest, yeah. Yeah. if he's already doing it. 
anecdotally, we say this all the time, but anecdotally, um, carnivore seems to really help people with autoimmune mm -hmm. disorders. So the less carbs, the better your autoimmune issues seem to be. Yep. And I think that's reflective of what I said earlier, where when you're eating a carbohydrate diet, you have really distilled nutrition to its absolute simplest, where the variety, which is maybe someone would say that's a good thing or a bad thing. The variety of the diet is very narrow. And I know of no one, I know of people who kind of pretend, but I don't believe it's possible to have a, I shouldn't say that. I would say it's exceptionally rare to someone have, to have an allergic type response or an immune response to, to meat, something as evolutionarily vital to a human as meat. But when you go carnivore, you start cutting out um, um, so many of those primary um, autoimmune triggers, things like grains and and dairy and in some people eggs i guess which that would be a problem with some carnivores um but typically at least to my knowledge those are the big autoimmune triggers and in many instances you end up cutting those even though you don't you're not cutting them uh it's inadvertent that you just end up removing what's pulling the autoimmune trigger from uh, mary joe i'm not hypo nor hyperthyroid but I do have six thyroid nodules that have shrunk two years in a row after eating low-carb, high-fat. Do you think the cause is weight loss or lessening insulin? The endocrinologist doesn't know. Uh, well, how interesting. Yeah. First of all, I'm very happy for the person that they're shrinking. That's wonderful. Um, I would be very curious to see what had been happening to TSH over the same period of time. Um, in fact, I'd ask her to, you know, share that in the comment, let us know what happened to your TSH. I, I suspect it had gone down because TSH is such a stimulator of the thyroid gland. Um, the role that insulin plays in promoting, um, a thyroid, um, tumor or a node, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's tempting to speculate that insulin plays a role insofar as there are other benign tumors like of the breast or the prostate that do become enriched with insulin receptors as part of the mutation. And so it's, it is possible that, uh, that the reduction in insulin would help shrink those um, because you're just losing that, that growth stimulus that insulin would be providing. But I, I can't really speculate any, anything beyond that. Thank you. Rich, Carly, Ben, <laughs> thank you all. That was what, awesome. What a great discussion I think today. My, I think my head's going to explode. <laughs> I know. Well, hopefully, I mean, to the original point, I do hope that some of our discussion has given some calm and clarity to people that were worried about thyroid because there's so much myth and misunderstanding when it comes to thyroid hormone and low carb, and it really is just myth. There's no evidence to support the idea that a low carb diet's going to hurt your thyroid. Yeah. Thank you, Ben, for what a, what a wonderful episode. And uh, we encourage all of you, if you just don't know much about Insulin IQ or Dr. Bickman, go to InsulinIQ.com. In our navigation, there's a little tab that says about Dr. Bickman. You can learn more about his book, Why We Get Sick. I know many of you have already read his book, but it's amazing. And uh, thank hey, the you German for translation us. comes out in two weeks, I think. How many so, languages now is that in, Ben? Uh, no, no. In fact, I think I actually took a little list. It's German, Korean, Greek, Chinese, Polish, Spanish, Hebrew, Arabic, and Russian. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Has to be Russian. 
Oh, yeah. I can't. I couldn't and, be happier. And for Jack, anyone who speaks Russian, yeah. <laughs> There, that's for the awesome. Russian speakers. It should have been better than it is. I'm hey, losing hey, it. Hey, Jack, Ben also has a great article on fats on healthcode.com uh, that everybody should read. It's really Get Health. Really get health. Get health. Yeah. 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 For those of you who don't know, Ben co founded a little company called Get Health. It's G E T H L T H.com. Get Health.com. He does some great blog posts there as well. So, yeah, which one are you referring to specifically, Rich? It just goes through the long, short, and medium chain fats mm. and why saturated fat is so beneficial to us. Great. Really well written. Yeah, be sure to check it out. If you're following uh, Ben on Instagram and you go to his profile, there's a link there to get help yep. as well. So, Thank you for listening to The Metabolic Classroom. This podcast is brought to you by Insulin IQ, Nutrition and Lifestyle Coaching, for insulin control and better health. Learn more at insuliniq.com. And by Health Code, the world's healthiest and most delicious meal replacement shake. Learn more at Get Health, that's G-E-T-H-L-T-H dot com. Find us on Facebook and YouTube at Insulin IQ. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.